And action! Back to the Future 3 isn't necessarily a Western. It's a time travel movie with our characters that goes to the 1800s. So we'll have horses and guns and shootouts and steam trains and all that stuff. But it's the West seen through the eyes of a kid from the 80s. What's your name, dude? Clint Eastwood. What kind of stupid name is that? In as much as Back to the Future appeals to the kid and everyone, I think being a cowboy appeals to the kid and everyone. I remember when there was talk of a sequel, and they said to me, if you were going to go somewhere, where would you want to go? And I said, well, the, you know, the Old West. I mean, you know, everybody wants to be a cowboy. And they were like, yeah, 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 we do too, we do too. Come along with me, celebrate year three. It's Margie McFly again. Back to the future three, a month-long podcast with me. It's Margie McFly, it's Margie McFly again. Again. Couldn't stay away, I confess Another adventure with Marty and Doc And this time, they're in the U.S. So come along with me, celebrate year three It's Margie McFly again Stay here all month long and get sick of this song Cause it's Margie McFly, it's Margie McFly again It's a 31-day podcast where I celebrate one movie and the movie happens to be back in the future part three. Da-da-da, doo da-da-da-da-da-doo. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Marchy McFly. It's day eight. It's March 8th. And for the eighth time in eight days, I watched Back to the Future Part 3 this morning. Yes, this morning. I watched it before work. Uh, and it's 10, 15 p.m. right now. And I'm finally getting to record tonight's episode uh, and it will be up. It will make it up by the midnight hour because, of course, if we, if I don't make it, I, I break everything. I break everything that I've been working towards all these years, and there, there's no time for that. Uh, so why don't we get right into what I want to talk about today? Specifically, I found a video, and there's a link to it in the show notes. It is from What Culture. And if my cousin Brandon heard it, he'd say, what culture? Uh, but he'd always, every time he'd say, what? He'd saying it right now. If he's listening to this, he's probably not listening to this. Uh, it is a video that, um, what culture sometimes I can, I can uh, give, I can, or take, take it, take it or leave it. That's what I meant to say. And um, this video it's kind of the same way. It actually came out just this past September, so it's not that old. Uh, it has over 414,000 views. They have millions of subscribers. Uh, but sometimes these headlines are, are, not that they're misleading, but they, they bug me because it says, 20 things you somehow missed in Back to the Future Part 3. I think it should say, 20 things you may have missed 
in, in Back to the Future Part 3. And reading, you know, I want to go through all 20 of these things. I'm not going to play the video with, you know, along with you. I'm just going to talk about it. I think you should go watch the video because there is, you know, there are things that I agree with as far as like things I knew about. Oh, I, I've heard that before. Things that I think they just got down downright wrong. And a couple things that I didn't know about. And one that blew me away when I saw it and it blew me away, like, you know, in a nerdy, like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, this happened. Uh, so let's go through the what cultures list of 20 things you somehow missed in back to the future part three. And, um, I will, you know, kind of say, did I miss this or not? And right off the bat, yes, I did. The first thing they talk about is an inside joke. Uh, this they call it the Clint Eastwood inside joke. You know where Marty says Clint Eastwood wouldn't wouldn't wear this, and Doc says Clint who is like, oh, that's right, you haven't heard of him yet. But he does look at the two posters when he says you haven't heard of him yet, and it's almost like he's saying, you know, there. Look at these two movies. There were these two movies at the drive-in. They were like monster movies. Uh, the Revenge of the Creature, and I think it says Tarantula. And the cool thing is, is Clint Eastwood is, I guess, an un, uh, uncredited extra in both of those movies. So that is a double kind of little inside joke. I thought that was actually quite well done. Uh, and that's the one thing that I said, oh, I did not know that. Uh, the second thing I also didn't know, and it's a, it's a, it's a fun little thing that uh, harkens back to the first movie when marty is uh gets hit run over by his grandfather or hit by his grandfather he wakes up in lorraine's room and he's in his skibbies he's in his, his calvin klein's uh this time when he's in with um with maggie mcfloy he before he gets up out of bed he looks down he, he pulls the covers back and looks down and they're saying he's looking to make sure that he has his uh his pants and um that I, I, I like that. I didn't know that. I didn't notice that. The next thing it says, the clock. So uh, when we see later, another one I didn't notice. Uh, when they show the clock tower and Marty and Doc are posing with it, the time on the clock is 8.08, you know, 88 miles per hour. I thought that was a cool uh, little thing. Oh, Doc's bandana. So uh, the first, well, the first thing they mentioned, I somehow skipped over it, was Doc's bandana is made from his shirt in part two. So, you know, in part two, he has the shirt that has like trains on it. That actually is the, the ripped up. You see that in part three as his bandana. That one I've seen before. Uh, I don't know if I saw it on the, the making of with noted Kook Kirk Cameron or if I've seen it in YouTube videos or if I, I don't think I, I did, definitely didn't notice it when I first watched it. I may have seen it on the IMDb trivia. So, yes, I, I did somehow miss it. I guess a lot of these things I missed the first time, or many, some of them, uh, but I, this one isn't new to me. So, number 16, ZZ Top is the band that plays in town. I knew that, you know, right away. Now, of course, I saw this movie in 1990, and um, ZZ Top was still, you know, a very popular band then. Well, they were kind of maybe at the tail end of their pop popularity with she's got legs and sharp dress man and um you know the other ones oh give me all your love and all your hugs and kisses too uh, but they did do that you got to double back my friend 
Uh, and of course, they did, uh, they're playing the song in the, well, they're not actually playing it, but they're playing the song at the festival, which is also the theme song of this year's Marty McFly uh, extravaganza. And of course, that acoustic song that they're playing is a acoustic version of, you know, Double Back, their song that was like in the soundtrack and it plays as the final, it's crazy that, you know, the end of an era of, of Back to the Future and the credits are um, this ZZ Top song that is not, I mean, it's, it's okay, but it's not like, it's not the power of love. Uh, and the second movie really didn't even have a theme song. I mean, it had I Can't Drive 55 played in it, but that was not for this movie. And that's, I mean, the power of love, you know, is Back to the Future and Power of Love. They kind of go hand in hand. And when you think part three, I think more of the, um, I think more of the, the, the score than I do any pop songs that go with it. I'm Back to the Future has multiple songs that go with it, but this, you know, just has, uh, you got to double back my friends, double back again. And no one really, you know, it's just, it doesn't hold, it's not in the same stratosphere even as, uh, the power of love, which is a very curious thing. Number 15, it says Doc references the invention of the transistor. Okay. I mean, he talks about it when he reads the letter, he says suitable parts won't be made until 1947. Okay. That's, I mean, that doesn't like, that didn't do anything for me, but that is number 15 on this list. Now, number 14 on this list, I didn't know. And I think is really cool. Uh, when, Doc and Marty are posing for the photo, you know, with, with the clock tower clock face. The man behind the camera, the man who is taking a photo of them, is none other than cinematographer Dean Cundy, the cinematographer for all three Back to the Future movies. I've talked about this guy before on the podcast. He, he has also did Halloween, Halloween 2, The Fog. Um, I, he did Halloween 3 even. Uh, he, he, the guy has done multiple big movies. He worked with John Carpenter a lot. Uh, as I said, back to the future, one, two, three hook, uh, Jurassic park. Have you heard of that? Apollo 13, um, Krippendorf's tribe. Okay. Well, you know, they're not all the huge movies. Uh, but I remember that movie, uh, in the more recent years, let's go well, more recent years. This is 2010 or so. Uh, Scooby-Doo, Curse of Lake Monster. Okay, that that's a movie? I didn't know that. Jack and Jill, the Adam Sandler movie. Okay, fine, fine. But the dude is still working today. I mean, if you go up to uh, 2022, uh, yes, he um, did episodes of The Book of Boba Fett. And I'm pretty sure that I, I swear to God, I thought I saw he was the, he's the deep director or cinematographer for The Mandalorian, like right now. Didn't I, I feel like I just saw that in the new Mandalorian episodes. So the dude is working forever, but I love that the man behind the camera, the camera operator, the man, the director of photography for these movies is also the man behind the camera uh, when he takes the iconic photo of Doc and Marty together with the clock face. Number 13 uh, is Needles Flea. Uh, Needles Gang includes members of Biff's various gangs in the past. Now I knew part of this. I knew, um, one of the guys was, um, you know, the dork thinks he's going to drown that guy from the original back to the future. But I didn't realize 
another guy on in the truck was um the in the Griff's gang in Back to the Future. So it's not Biff's various gangs. In fact, there's Biff only has one gang. Um and that's with Back to the Future part one. So again, semantics, but that annoys me. It it should have said um the Tannins various gangs. But Biff, Griff, and uh Buford. And then yeah, one of the guys is even Buford's they just reused him from Buford's gang from 1885. So I'm assuming this guy a hundred years later is um like it's all related. Like one of the guys is sons to Biff's friends. Uh the other and it'd be funny if Needles was Biff's son. Um, but that wouldn't no, then that make Griff his son. Yeah, that wouldn't work. But again, the McFly's only one looks like George. Every other McFly looks like friggin' Marty, including the women, except for the one woman who looks like Marty's mom, but I don't want to go there anymore. Um, the guy that we see um, with the dark hair in the few, his, his son is uh, in Griff's gang, and one of the guy's long ancestors was in Buford's gang. I'm just, that's, that's me putting a, a spin on that, but I think that's just a fun little thing that isn't even really that necessary. It's just like, let's, Let's put it together. Um, or let's, you know, let's do that just for fun. Number 12, the clock tower was being unloaded in the background. I've actually mentioned this. I didn't notice this the first couple of times I watched it, but it was, I, I've mentioned this in previous episodes. You see the clock uh, being taken um, off the train, off the 131 on the, um, on that Monday, um, the Monday of uh, when they go down to talk to the guy and say, Oh hey, um, you know what's the uh, how can how fast can this train go? When they're asking the guy in the background, you see the clock coming off it. And in the in the novelization, it covers that a little more. Uh, like Doc looks back at the clock and is like, "Wow, that for that clock, time hasn't even started yet. I wish I could stop time." Uh, which was a kind of a neat little thing in the book. The the novelization is fun because it fills in these little things where you go. Oh well, that's obviously what they did, and oh, the you know how did how did they get the the DeLorean back to here? Oh, and where do they get these horses? Well, I didn't even realize Doc has multiple horses in his barn. And number eleven, this is where I get the first. I call the first uh, boo boo on their part. Dog names Doc names his dogs after scientists again, and I'm like, what? I don't remember Doc having any dogs in this movie, and you know why? Because as far as I can see, Doc doesn't have any dogs in this movie. They, they mentioned scientists. You, and, um, you can actually see signs in Doc's um, work, you know, his barn. Uh, you can see the signs for these different sci- scientist names. I don't remember off the top of my head the scientist names, but they're for his horses because he has multiple horses. Those are the horses he uses to pull uh, the, um, the DeLorean when they try to pull it earlier in the, uh, in the movie. But, or later, when, when, they, when they're trying to figure out how to get back. Those are his horses. He has multiple horses. And we see the stable in the background. You know the giant thing that he, it's a refrigerator to make ice cubes? Next to that, you see some names up on the wall. Uh, names. And you actually see horses. So I don't know why they said dogs, but they, the title says dogs. The, um, the whole thing says dogs. Like the, the host says dogs. And it's just wrong. He's wrong. Number 10 is another one that I'm not so sure about. So we go back to the beginning of part three, 1955. 
Doc freaks out when he realizes Marty is still there. He He's like, you can't be here. I can't believe it. I don't believe it. He goes into the bathroom, slams the door shut. Well, in the bathroom, you see a clock hanging over the toilet. And they're saying they're saying that that clock is the visible is the clock that Doc mentions at the beginning of the first movie uh, when he says, you know, I slipped. Uh, I know I was hanging a clock. I slipped. I hit my head uh, when I came to. I had a vision. Um, they're saying that that's the clock we see, and it very well might be. But the reason I have my doubt is because um, the clock—that's like eye level. Like he wouldn't even have to stand on the toilet. He could just kind of lean over it and and put it up. So maybe now maybe it is the clock and maybe Zemeckis or the set decorator or someone put the clock there thinking, oh, cool, put the clock to show it. But if they did, even they weren't thinking, oh, this clock isn't that, um, isn't that high. So why would he have been standing on the toilet in the first place? Uh, now we go to number nine. And to me, Number nine is the one that blew me away. I couldn't believe it. Uh, and again, it's it, nothing major, but when I saw it, I said, oh my God, um, now I can't unsee it. And actually, they mentioned, some, they mentioned uh, one spot. I actually see this in two spots. Now, I talked about yesterday the Clara uh, Clayton you know, storyline of where... Um, where you know, what originally would have happened to her and that Doc was there and Doc originally in the storyline would have seen her, fall in love with her, bring her back to her house. But in the, in the Doc and Marty storyline, because he was so wrapped up in the train and trying to figure out things, he forgot to even go check on her. Well, when they go to the train to talk to the, uh, to the conductor, um, they, that was the train that Clara got off. So that's when he was supposed to meet her. He's talking to the conductor uh, and they're t- and, the, and the clock's being unloaded in the background. You can see a woman in Clara's dress. It has to be her. You can see her walking a little bit, but even more so. And this is what they mention in the in the video, is when they are they go over to the little map and they talk about Clayton Ravine. And Marty says there is no bridge there. Right behind Marty, right over his shoulder, like maybe fifteen feet away or something, you see the back of Clara Clayton, just kind of looking around. You know what she's looking for? She's looking for the man who was supposed to, um, you know, uh, chaperone her back to her house. And that man was Doc Brown. He was right there, and she was right there. And I love it. It's definitely, it is the one thing out of all these that I was like, oh my God, that is so cool. Uh, And now I will never unsee it. Like, I'll always look for it. And um, it's just... It is, it's my favorite part of this whole video. And that's the one that just was like, wow, she was right there. She was waiting for him. He was supposed to go. This was all at this, this train and he blew it. That's why she said, okay, I guess I'll go off on my own and, uh, almost dies as a result. Number eight, it says the saloon extras are legendary Western actors. I talked about this. I actually devoted, uh, uh, a pretty much an episode, uh, to this. So we don't really have to talk much about that. Number seven, the arresting deputy's dialogue was redubbed. I did not pick up on this, but remember I said there's a deleted scene where uh, Biff kills Marshall Strickland. Well, uh, and they said, well, that's, that's the reason why the deputy came alone to arrest 
Biff at the end for robbing the um, the uh, the coach, the Park Street coach. Is that what it's called? Pine Street coach. Uh, because originally in the story, Strickland's not there. He's already dead. So they just, they didn't have him there. That's, that's um, what I read or the explanation of that. But what also uh, it seems to be is that originally, and I, I got to see this deleted scene of this, the deputy says, you're, arre- you're under arrest for the murder of, um, of Marshall Strickland. Because when he says, you're under arrest for robbing the Pine City coach, uh, or Pine City stage, or one or the other, um, you don't see him say it. Like, he says, you're under arrest for it, and then they cut away to them, you know, Doc and Marty or some other shot, so they could use a different line without matching up to his lips. Uh, and I, it seems, like, I, it doesn't, I don't know if this is necessarily, necessarily true, but it seems to make sense uh, to me that, that, that that's what happened. That was number seven. Uh, number six, Doc is probably related to Werner Werner von Braun. Okay, a problem that that see that one. What is that? Just because he says, "Oh, you know, we were the von Brauns before we changed our name to Brown." That's that means nothing to me, and that's just them saying, "Oh, von Braun." So maybe you know, maybe that's uh, a connection. So uh, number five. The Statler Horse Dealership. I did notice this again. Probably not 1990, or maybe the other times that I've watched this movie. But since watching this Marchie McFly project, seeing watching um, Back to the Future Three the first time this month, I saw right away the Statler Horse Dealership. Um, and I want to do an episode kind of talking more about 1855 Hill Valley. But that's one of the things is you see this thing for Statler Horse Dealerships. And, um, uh, you know, Statler is in 1985, he, he, it's a Toyota dealership. So they're, they've always been dealing with transportation from the fifties to the eighties to all the way back to 1855 in the novelization doc talks about, Oh, you know, I used to actually work with Statler, um, back, uh, before, right before he moved into automobiles, I used to work with his horses. So the novelization does a, adds a few little things where, oh, Doc has ridden horses and worked with horses before. Anna throws out a line about Mar- Mar- uh, Marty, I almost called him Marchy, about Marty, uh, you know, a camp or something. He used to ride horses and do that kind of stuff. So they, um, they, they add some like, oh, well, how does Doc and Marty know how to do this so well? Well, it shows that they've had some experience before they, they came to 1855. But that's a novelization. has nothing to do with this video. Uh, the video b- just talks about um, how the Statler is the same Statler that, that years later uh, is a Toyota dealership. Number four, Clayton Ravine is renamed to Eastwood Ravine at the end. Um, when I first saw Back to the Future, I didn't notice the Lone Pine Mall. And I'm not sure if I even knew that before 2 and 3. Maybe I did by then. But um, seeing part 3, I have this memory. I swear, I, I'm telling you, I saw Eastwood Ravine right away and I noticed it back in... I mean, it was definitely right there. It wasn't as hidden or it wasn't as, um, quote-unquote, missable uh, in... in um, in this version, I mean, you're seeing nothing but empty train tracks in Eastwood Ravine. It's right there. So that that one is a great little Easter egg that they added in, but it's not that like um, that 
uh, like, there's no way, I don't think many people would have missed that one. Uh, number three, Doc's son desperately needs the bathroom. So I've seen clips of this, and you can actually see it in the movie, where um, Vern, uh, he's like, he's he's looking around, and he's like look making faces. And then at one point, you see his hand like pulse, like um, almost, you know, like saying, come here, come here. And he points to his, you know, where he needs to go to the bathroom. And they're, they're just, I think, I don't know if they know or if they're just assuming the kid says, you know, telling someone, I need to go to the bathroom. Uh, but it was, whatever happened, everybody missed it day of. The editors missed it. Everyone missed it because they kept it in. It's in the scene. Your eye is drawn to Doc talking about, you know, the your future is what you make of it. So make it a good one. Uh, so you're not really looking at the kid. But if you look at the kid... And believe me, when you start watching these movies constantly, you start looking away and you look at different things because you want to see what anything else, anything interesting. Uh, I remember I, I started, maybe I noticed it right away, but um, no, I think it took a little, a few days for me to see the wave come in and the point. Uh, but now, unfortunately, I can't unsee that. Uh, and maybe the kid needed to go to the bathroom or not, but he definitely, something was distracting him off camera. But he did, he, he loved uh, seeing Einstein. He seemed really happy with the dog. Number two, the flux capacitor is visible on the train. I don't know if I noticed that or not, but the flux capacitor on tra- docks, uh, the ELB uh, train, the time machine, the... the um, the flux capacitor is right out front, I believe, right? That's like right there. And you see it. Well, like you do see it when it flies away, I think. Right? I think that's what they're talking about. And the number one thing you didn't know about or I didn't know about or they think we didn't know about, and I definitely didn't know about it, it says that Michael Winslow, yes, Larvel Jones himself from the Police Academy movies, uh, they say Michael Winslow provided the sound effects for Marty's moonwalking scene. I don't know if him's going, I think I, he, he's re, he's singing Billy Jean, which I don't think I even noticed because he, he's muffling it. But, um, in the, in the novelization, they mentioned Billy Jean. Uh, so they're saying Michael Winslow actually did the sound effects for that. And he's given a special thanks in the credits. Uh, and that's really it. That's number 20. To be honest with you, I think that could have been like number number you know 18. It's a cool one, but that shouldn't be the last one on the list. In fact, maybe the the um the uh flux capacitor could have been the last one, but they maybe they wanted to to save one that nobody knew would have known. Uh but to me, the coolest, coolest, coolest one out of all of them is that Clara Clayton is right there in the background, just like my dog is right here in the background crying to go to, to, for attention. What, do you want to go to bed? And through the power of editing, I just put my dog, threw, our, threw my dog in our bed. We'll see if that lasts, or if she jumps off and starts scratching to come out. Um, so I'm going to be quick here and finish up. Um, but uh, I thought it's a, it's a cool video. Definitely some things I did not know about. Uh, and one thing that just, again, just blew me away as far as the fact that I've been watching this movie and looking for, uh, different, you know, reasons how Clara, you know, how she came in, how she ended up by herself, 
uh, and why that is. And it's because Doc forgot. Um, that was my favorite part of this. And I'm definitely in the show notes. You can click right on it. Or if you just follow what culture, it's 20 things you somehow missed in Back to the Future Part 3. So we're done here. May uh, March 8th in the books, eight days down. Uh, we're, we're over a week into this. We're eight days. That's over a week. Wow, we're into our second week already. Um, of, what are there, five weeks we're doing? Hmm, boy. Uh, believe me, um, we have lots to talk about and a long way to go. Uh, and I'm not going to be doing all this alone. We're definitely going to have some guests, some, some regulars coming back. And uh, I got to write some songs. I definitely have to write some songs and do some skits and have some fun. Uh, but that's it for today. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Mentality. The Facebook page is Fans Not Experts. The website is fansnotexperts.com. And I'm done now. So until tomorrow, my friends, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And here is my theme song. This is my podcast. I made it. Geek Mentality is what I named it. And I think you should listen and subscribe Cause I'm kinda funny and awesome I think that I'm worth your time And I'm kinda handsome My mom says Please listen and Please subscribe At least listen to this episode That's not experts